right, if you've got your Bible, go back to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, uh, continuing the series that we started uh, last week on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, focusing specifically on uh, the Beatitudes, and I don't know that I've had more feedback after an introduction. Uh, I mean, some of you are like, I'm reading the whole book of Matthew, uh, I, I wanted to talk about the Beatitudes, I don't really understand this, and so some of you have already given just some great feedback uh, and excitement for this series, and we're just going to kind of work verse by verse, uh, as we typically do anyways, but one by one through uh, the Beatitudes. Now, uh, I know there's always uh, some sermon police. I think like three years ago, uh, I preached a message in the series, The Grace Parade, some of you may remember that series on the beatitude that we're going to look at tonight. And so just to encourage you, there's about five minutes tops of repeat. Everything else is brand new because some of you inevitably will come up to me and afterwards like, I've heard this beatitude before. Yeah, we'll get over it. All right. <laughs> Clearly by God's providence, you need to hear it again. Okay. And uh, for your sake, I wrote a brand new sermon just for you. So there we go. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, we, uh, we're going to look at the first beatitude, and we gave an introduction last week to the beatitudes as a whole, and we talked about not minimizing them. These aren't little coffee cup verses. Jesus isn't trying to be cute here. Uh, we're not to moralize them. This is not the New Testament equivalent of like the Old Testament Ten Commandments. Uh, and we're also not going to mellow them. We're going to let them say what they say, even if it stings, even if it goes against what our culture teaches us uh, is normal uh, or where the good life is found. And so we're going to pick it up here in uh, verse 1 of chapter 5. And I'm going to read down through verse 12 again, even though uh, verse 3 is going to be our primary focus. So if you're able to stand, would you please do so as we honor the reading of God's word? Matthew 5, verse 1 says, Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who, uh, when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil and against you falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is God's word. Pray with me and for me. Let's ask God to teach us tonight. God, thank you for uh, the privilege of being able to study your word. Thank you for these men and women, these families, individuals who've come here tonight because we want to hear from you and we want uh, to know what your word has to say to us. I pray, God, that you would just give me the words to say. I want to be uh, faithful to what the beatitude means and, and not uh, anything else other than to try to communicate what Jesus meant for us to understand. Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, guide us tonight into truth, even if it hurts in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Well, if there was one book that you had to read in high school, my guess is this was it. 
Uh, I'm referring to Harper Lee's famous book, To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, though, how many of you, show of hands, had to read, you were forced to read that book, all right? Yeah, a lot of hands are up. Uh, so even though a lot of us here have read the book, you may not remember the story. Uh, the title, To Kill a Mockingbird, actually comes from a specific event that happens in the story. Uh, one of the main characters, a man by the name of Atticus, he's an attorney, uh, he buys some air rifles for his children. And when he gives them the air rifles, he gives them some specific instructions. Namely, they are allowed to kill any bird they want except a mockingbird. And the reason that Atticus gives them for not killing mockingbirds is because mockingbirds are helpless. They're defenseless. They're harmless. They're small, and they can't defend themselves like an eagle or a hawk. They don't harm anybody's crops or cause damage. They simply sing pretty songs. But of course, as you read the story, you begin to realize that that command, namely to not kill mockingbirds, is a metaphor for helping the helpless. You're to defend those that are defenseless. You see, the larger story is that of Atticus as an attorney for a black man by the name of Tom Robinson. Robinson has been accused of assaulting a white woman. It's obvious in the story that he is innocent, but he is facing an all-white jury, and he is not able to defend himself, and so Atticus takes his case. He agrees to defend this person who cannot defend himself. And throughout the journey, throughout the story, as it all unfolds, Atticus takes these little opportunities along the way to teach his children that in life, you help the helpless. You defend the defenseless. Right here, you never kill a mockingbird. Now, Faith Family, there's a lot of reasons why To Kill a Mockingbird has become a classic in our literature, but one of the reasons is because every single one of you that's here tonight watching online, every single one of us resonates with the idea of helping the helpless, do we not? I mean, do we not all know that's true, that's right, that's something that is good? It's why you feel genuine sympathy for a, a child with disabilities, a genuine sympathy for a senior adult who's unable to take care of herself. A kid that's getting bullied at school and unable to fight back. Someone in financial ruins that's unable to pay the bills. It's why many Christians go on mission trips, where? To third world countries to help those who are, quote, less privileged. Every Body here tonight knows you don't kill mockingbirds. You help the helpless. In fact, we would even go so far as to say, we would take it a step further and say, the good life, the happy life, the blessed life, the life that is satisfied is the life that helps the helpless. Amen? But we would never in a million years ever, say that happiness, 
blessedness and satisfaction comes when you are the helpless. Nobody would say that. In fact, I don't know everything about you, but I know this about you. Most of you, because I know you, would do anything. I mean, anything in your power to help the helpless, and at the same time would do everything in your power to avoid being the helpless. You don't want to be that person that can't pay their bills. You don't want to be that person that's lost and can't find their way. You don't want to be that person that feels desperate and needy and, God forbid, dependent. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be in that situation. And that's why everybody, including myself, would do anything we could not to kill a mockingbird, but over our dead bodies will I ever be one. I'm not going to be a mockingbird, a person in a situation where I'm unable to help myself. After all, doesn't the Bible say in like Second Opinions chapter 3 that God helps those who help themselves? I mean, isn't that in the Bible somewhere? No. Some of you are like, I think so. I read it somewhere. No, it's not in there. And this is why it's so hard for us to wrap our minds around what Jesus is teaching in the first beatitude. Because in the first beatitude, listen to me, faith family, Jesus is not teaching, blessed are those who help the helpless. We all know that. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying something far more controversial. He's saying, blessed are the helpless. The good life is being the mockingbird when you can't do anything for yourself. Look at verse 3 again. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All right, so for you sermon police, maybe the next three to five minutes, you'll get a little repeat and then back to new. Okay, here we go. Let me start by the explanation of the kingdom. Okay, because Jesus says here, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we don't really use that language very much, okay? Uh, nobody's really walking around, hey, what kingdom do you belong to? And who'd you vote for a king? I mean, nobody, nobody talks that way. And yet, it's frequently mentioned in the Gospels. Uh, Jesus ends the Beatitudes with the same statement, verse 10, look at it. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11 and 12 only support verse 10. Verse 10 is the last one. So at the beginning, verse 3, and at the end, verse 10, you see the same statement, the kingdom of heaven. Here's the technical term. It's called an inclusio. All that means is that the Beatitudes are meant to go together. These are not, uh, well, let's see, I want to be meek, and I want to hunger for righteousness, but that persecution stuff, nah, no thanks. I picked my two. You don't get that choice. It's all or nothing. They, you, you either, they either describe you or they don't. You don't get to pick and choose. In a lot of ways, it's like the fruit of the Spirit. You don't get to say, love and joy, I'll have some of that. Patience, eh. No, 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 no. You don't get to pick and choose. It's the fruit of the Spirit. As you grow in the Spirit, the Spirit is producing the fruit, which is love and joy and peace and so on and so forth. 
You see, you don't get to pick and choose. And you don't get to pick and choose here. This is an inclusio. They describe one person, not different people. And what's the one person? It's the person who gets the kingdom of heaven. That's who it's describing. Now, what do we mean by heaven here? Because when I mention heaven, this is the expression that it comes across some of your faces like, heaven? You mean in that gated community where everybody wears white robes and sings endlessly? I mean, it's about as fascinating as watching the History Channel or a Steven Seagal movie. If you don't know who Steven Seagal is, my prayer request is that you keep it that way. I mean, it's better than the alternative, hell, but it's boring, and you just got to be honest. I grew up in church, and most of the descriptions of heaven that I heard was like, what's better than that? But the idea of wearing white robes and just walking around on gold and singing hymns, all my, that, no. Okay, well, despite the fact that that image isn't biblical, can I get an amen? Okay, you should say Amen. It's not even what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is not talking about the place where you go when you die, when he says the kingdom of 